pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Severe Mail Podcast, episode 181 today, and this is maybe the biggest episode in the history of the Severe Mail Podcast because we have the biggest fight in the history of MMA coming up this weekend. Jeremy Butter joins me today on the podcast with Graham Silhouet Schillen over in uh, over in America. Jeremy, how are you? How are things? How how's your I'm weekend good. going? I'm good. Yeah, you got your you got your notes mixed up there, though. It's supposed to be the biggest podcast uh, in severe MMA history because I'm back on it for the second week in a row. And then we also, secondary to that, we also have this fight coming mm-hmm. up next week. Yeah, that is true. That that really. Is, I've been. If, if this fight falls out, let me just say this: it'll be. I'll Dude, be... why do you even say it? Come on, why would you even say something like that? Why would you even fucking don't? You know what? Just sit there quietly. I'll take over the rest of this podcast. <laughs> you have lost your talking privileges. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't want to wait to start the podcast. If god, this, I hate you so much. <laughs> it's actually it'll be the, for me though. I think it'll be worse than anyone else because I've so much stuff already done and already recorded that if it did fall out, it'd be terrible. And that here's my Patreon pitch, and it's not much of a pitch this week. It's just telling you what's coming up. Okay, Monday, Ariel Hilwani joins the Severe Mail podcast. To talk McGregor versus uh, Habib. Tuesday, Patrick Wyman joins the Severe May podcast on Patreon. Wednesday, Luke Thomas joins the Severe May podcast. We might have two other things, which we don't have yet, so I'm not going to promise yet. We have the size up coming up. We have uh, a predictions video on YouTube coming up. We have so much stuff. Now is the time. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May podcast. Go to SevereMay.com forward slash points to sign up. It's a five a month. The first of the month is starting tomorrow. Sign up tomorrow. Sign up today. And do it. Now's the time. Jeremy, what do you think? You, you signed up to Patreon, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I never listened to it, but I, I have signed. I just want to support you guys. Um, and I'll, you know, also maybe someday I'll get a cut back for, for all the work that I do for promoting you guys. On, um, on like, you still actually owe me three points because remember that bet we had before that Uriah Faber would beat Frank Edgar? And uh, what, were you, what were you thinking? What was that about? I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about, honestly, yeah. at this point. That's, that's ancient history. <laughs> that, like, is, that is ancient history. And you won't find any proof on Twitter, because all my t- t- old tweets have been deleted God, now, yeah. except for, like, the last two. And yeah. so, but, uh, I actually didn't mean to do that. I meant to delete, like, everything but the last year, you mm-hmm. know? But then I accidentally left it on, and I logged in, actually, this morning uh, to check and see if my little tweet went out about my story on the, the 42 you know? oh, and yeah. I, uh, you're back on Twitter like, so you're officially back No, and I, and I was like oh well they're all gone okay <laughs> that's cool alright right. let's let's get into this fight because we're probably going to be here like four hours talking about it if we don't well you might be here four hours <laughs> but I'll tell you somebody who's not going to be here four hours <laughs> Yes, and I have about nine hours of podcasts coming up anyway, but all the ones I mentioned. But we're a week out now. We're recording here on Sunday, six days out. What are your anticipation levels as we talk now, right now? You know, a lot of people are talking about this is the biggest fight in MMA history. Does it feel like that right now? Feel like that right now, but that's just to me, and that you know, and and that's also with the caveat that I'm not really in the MMA bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you know, actually, that might give me a better perspective than someone like you who lives and breathes in the May twenty four seven has. You know, and I mean that honestly. Like I, I just I. I'm excited for this fight in a way that I have not been excited for a fight in a very long time. Uh, but does that translate to like 
is it a the biggest fight in UFC? I mean, I think it. I think it is going to ultimately be the biggest fight in UFC history. I don't see any way that it does not break the McGregor Diaz record. Uh, but right now, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't feel as big as obviously like Mayweather McGregor or, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty. There's a, there's a lot of other fights that have felt bigger. But you know, it, it, again, it is Sunday. Like, but you know. Come Wednesday, Thursday, McGregor says a few more ridiculous things. Maybe throw some shit at Khabib somewhere. Like you know, Connor does something like that. Says some 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 stuff that's ridiculous. I mean, we'll all be right back in the middle of it. We'll be you know anticipating this fight as much as as much as any. But I mean, you know, just here, you know, six days out, uh, just looking at it as a fight. I mean, I haven't been this ex- I haven't been this pumped for a fight in a long time. I, I and and I mean, not just the spectacle because we know the spectacle is going to be you know, insane uh, between these two, but I'm actually looking forward to the stylistic matchup in a way that I have not been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And we'll get to the stylistic matchup uh, in a second, but I want to talk about, uh, and I, this question I put to the lads that uh, coming up on Patreon during the week, and they all kind of had different answers. Like uh, f- for me personally, the build up to this is very interesting because I, I think this is a di- very different build up to other McGregor fights and other big UFC fights. Like McGregor in the past has been all, I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to do interviews. You know, I'm going to you know, talk to, talk, did a big interview with us where got millions of views. You know, I talked to Ariel and MMA or millions of views. Did his own interviews with, you know, with the Mac Life. Did, you know, talk to you, everything. <clears throat> now it's different. And I'm interested to see how it goes. <clears throat> and after the Fly Mayweather fight, a lot of my thinking was, how is this going to translate for McGregor? Like, is McGregor going to become the, the next star? Is he going to take the shine from uh, Floyd Mayweather and take his pay-per-view buys and become the next big pay-per-view star? Like, what do you think about it? Like, do you think there's a possibility of that happening? Do you think it's hurt by the fact that there hasn't been that much promotion coming into this? Or do you think that, that you know, a lot of the boxing fans that maybe weren't MMA fans before will want to come over and see Conor McGregor now, considering four million of them saw him fight his last bout? I don't think there are any boxing fan like, quote, unquote, boxing fans mm-hmm. that saw McGregor fight Mayweather are going to be in- interested at all in coming over and watching him. You know, because they, they you know, the boxing fans had a a pretty set in stone view of McGregor going into that fight and, and of the fight itself. Everybody thought it was a farce, which, you know, it was. Uh, but that's fine. Sometimes farces are, are still fun to watch, um, which that one was. Um, I, you know, but the thing about Floyd Mayweather, and I, I think it's you, have, you know, you ask if he can take Mayweather's shine and kind of become the next big, big pay per view star. That do the thing, Sean, about Mayweather is that like you never saw Mayweather say, "I'm not doing that interview" or "I'm not going to promote this fight." I'm going to do one thing, and that's it. Like. That's how Floyd Mayweather became a star because Floyd Mayweather is a master of the media. He never shut himself down. Um, you know, I mean, if, if McGregor, I, I don't think he's interested in being the next big pay-per-view star. I think he's he's kind of ha- probably fine where he's at. Um, they, you know, if he if he truly wanted to take that next level leap and you know, kind of get go from the two million buy to the over four million buy territory, I, you would have seen him participate in something like a 24 seven or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, just the fact that they did not do a show like that to capitalize on this fight is mind boggling to me. Yeah. I remember, I I don't know, was it before the Mayweather fight or after it, you got, you had an article up on, on bleach report and you got myself and PT and a couple more people, I think to, to talk about what, what could be next for McGregor. I think most of us said McGregor never needs to fight again. If he wants to fight, he'll come back and he'll fight, but there'll be no necessity. And, 
I think that's kind of what's happening here. I, like, I tweeted at the time when this fight was made that, you know, no one can ever question Conor McGregor's balls or he's, you know, he's, he's, um, confidence in himself he's coming back after two years out to fight fight Habib Nurmagomedov which most people in the world would would say is the worst stylistic matchup possible for him like this fight is basically uh <laughs> you know and, and uh, you'll hear me talk about this in the analysis and on the size up and stuff this is a fight for who is the man really isn't it this is a fight for supremacy this is a fight because these guys don't like each other and this may be the first time it's happened in conor mcgregor's career someone asked the question last week is that could he be emotionally invested and i think he probably could be you know this this fight means more to mcgregor i think than, than lots of his his other fights and in the in a different way before it was always kind of the chase getting up there getting to the top now it's, you know, this guy has, <laughs> you know, Conor McGregor talks a lot about his circle and his friends and everything. And Artem Labov is the one you see by his side all the time. And then, you know, obviously what happened with Artem and Habib, Conor didn't like that. And he's coming back to fight. You know, he needed a reason to come back to fight. And he found a reason to come back to fight. And this is it. This is Habib Nurmagomedov. And Habib is there as well. You know, he's talked about Conor for years. You know, that, that he was <laughs> he was up there at the top and he was refusing to fight people. And he was running from him. He was talking about and everything. And it, you know, it means a lot to him as well. What, what do you think about that side of it? Do you think it, this is like the most genuine grudge match that McGregor has actually ever had in, in the UFC? And, you know, I didn't even mention the boss and, and, and the dolly drawn through the, the window of the boss and all. But this is, there's a lot of animosity here, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But the thing with McGregor is like, he's able to get himself worked up and find animosity for everybody that he fights, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I remember, I remember before before the Chad Mendes fight, you know, I mean, he was just visiting him and his team and his man at the mansion out in, in Vegas. Like he was able to work up that same kind of intensity. I mean, that, that I'm seeing here. Um, but the difference here, man, and, and the stuff that we don't see is, is how does, how does training go? Can Connor push that? Like, let's say he's been training for two hours and he's wiped out, exhausted. Does he go that, you know, those five, 10 extra rounds of sparring when he's thinking, you know, I, when he's he's not thinking about how he has to win to get what he wants, but how he already has what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you were rich beyond measure, I mean, now granted, he spends more money uh, than God anybody I've maybe ever seen in my life mm-hmm. um, on stuff that he does not need, and so maybe he, you know, maybe maybe this doesn't affect him, but like. <laughs> Any, if I were in his position, there's just no way that I'd be able to maintain the same kind of drive and determination. I don't care, I don't care how much he, you know, the guy I'm fighting. I don't care how much he insulted one of my friends. Like, it, there's, it's just human nature to get comfortable. Um, you know, and and Connor's big thing is he's always best when he's uncomfortable. And I, you know, how uncomfortable can a guy like that be now? I, I don't think he can be. Um, and so I think that's going to play a big part in the fight, man, honestly. I think there's a few, and you hit the nail on the head, there's a few extenuous factors like that coming into this fight. It, You know, is McGregor going to be as motivated as he was previously? Does he have enough time to prepare for this fight? You know, this, this fight was taken on, what, seven weeks notice or something like that. Does he have enough training behind him with flight, fighting Floyd Mayweather a year ago, with having not fought MMA in two years? How long did he go without wrestling? Like, you know, the, was there a whole year there before Floyd Mayweather where he didn't do much wrestling, where he was just sitting out preparing? 
you know, that's that's a big thing. Now, there was a lot of talk about him fighting Dos Anjos, and whether you believe that or not is your own uh, point. But maybe you can say that he was preparing for that fight. He was, you know, getting ready to take that fight. And we did see pictures of him in the gym and everything like that. So maybe his preparation was longer than we thought. But I think those are interesting questions to ask coming in here, along with, you know, the silk sheets question. You know, it's a lot easier to get uh, to get up in the morning when, when, when you have a shitty bed. When you're getting out of silk sheets, it's not that easy, you know. So, But McGregor has always been yeah. that type of guy, though. He's his mindset and his mentality uh, before we even get to the analysis of the fight has always been unbelievable and you know you did the, the you did the story about the secret at the time and i you know whatever people that's bullshit obviously but if if <laughs> yeah. if if you yeah. use that to, to control your own mind and to convince yourself it can obviously work because it worked for him you know and it obviously doesn't work for everyone but if you you know we see things like that all the time if you convince yourself and like like luke rockwell famously once said if you can conceive it and believe it you can achieve it and that's what conor mcgregor has done isn't it yeah i mean uh, you know i it's funny because like that, that that story on the secret and connor like has been you know i mean obviously i think one of the stories that i've done that people remember the most just because it was so out of nowhere when when mm-hmm. his sister mentioned it to me in dublin and i was like wait what the secret <laughs> and, and and just learning about how he you know connor and d would visualize parking spots when they would go shopping and those parking spots would be available like I, motherfucker, I have tried that so many times, and it has never worked for me. Like, but then again, I'm also not. You know, I mean, I know I'm not as mentally strong as somebody like Connor, or really anybody who gets punched in the face for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know that about myself. That's why I sit at a keyboard and I write mm-hmm. uh, because I can't do that stuff. Um, and so, you know, it, it's whether it's the secret, you know, the law of attraction, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, um, whatever it is, it works for Connor, but. I mean, how much more shit can he visualize into his life at this point? You know, I mean, he made a hundred million dollars on his last fight. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I just don't understand. I, I don't know. I just refuse to believe that anybody that, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say it, nobody can keep themselves motivated at that level of, you know, fame and wealth because Floyd Mayweather has been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What the hell do I know? That's true. What? <clears throat> Let's move. To- no. What, what do you mean? Yeah. That's true. I know. <laughs> No, I just needed a segue there, and I just uh, said I agree with you. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, what about Habib then? Before we get to the actual analytics of the fight, you know, you spent a lot of time at AK. You know, you know, you talked to Daniel Cormier a lot. You know, what's what? Describe to us. I think we know very well what Conor McGregor's like coming up to a fight and how he prepares for it. What about Habib? How does he prepare for it? And has you know? Do you, do you think his preparation has changed in any way because of the injuries, because of the weight cutting misses in the past and everything like that? How you know? Explain to us how he kind of prepares and comes to a fight mentally and physically. They as a whole has changed their the way they approach training. They're a lot more scientific and smart about it instead of just doing the hard headed wrestler thing, which they used to do. But because there was a time years ago when they were notorious for being you know among the most injury prone actually they might have been the most injury prone camp in the entire sport um but cormier has played a big role in kind of slowing everybody down making everybody smarter but even then khabib i mean you know i've been i've been i've been to the gym a couple of times when khabib's there doing camps and dude let me tell you man this guy this guy never stops man like he never stops he never gets tired. I mean, even though he looks tired, he never gets tired. He never quits going. And that's one of the things that DC will tell, has told me and will tell others. Um, I mean, you will never hear DC uh, talk about another fighter the way that he does about Khabib. It's almost like he's kind of ha- kind of in love with him. 
in terms of like DC always supports his own guys, always supports his own team. That's what a coach does. And, you know, he is the quote unquote head of AKA, right? But Khabib is a different dude. Khabib has a special place in his heart. Khabib is, if Daniel Carter is one fighter, um, you know, you tell tell me who the best fighter in the world is, DC. He's going to say Khabib every time. Even though he has a whole teammate of really excellent top-shelf fighters, including himself, uh, to pick from, he is always going to trumpet to uh, Khabib's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, there's something about Eve that I guess that resonates with DC a little bit. And in terms of, you know, that wrestler mentality, even though they come from two different cultures and two different backgrounds. But Khabib, pull it down into describing it in one, you know, one or two words, I would say, single-minded like when all fighters are single-minded right when they go into training camp but khabib has a level of focus that is kind of terrifying and 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 unsettling when you see it in action and you know that's one of the things that used to make him so injury prone is because he would get hurt and he keep going now he has people to pull him back a little bit uh but when they aren't pulling him back dude he is he is full bore 100 percent going forward and that's the thing that makes him so dangerous man and you see it in his fighting style right like if he goes for a takedown and he doesn't get it what does he do he doesn't sit back and settle and group he just keeps going he just kind of forces stuff to happen by sheer will uh, and that's the same way he is in camp all right, so let's get into the fight here, uh, and let's talk about the, the breakdown, the analytics of this fight. And let, let me let me let me start it off here because you know I, I talked about this fight to death now <laughs> at this stage, but we'll let's let's do it one more time. This fight is going to be won obviously in three different areas. I think like like most fights, it's going to be the striking, the wrestling, and the in between part. And I think you know we, we can talk about the striking and the wrestling in a second, and, and obviously it's you know it's it's going to be huge, but that that in between part, and I think the biggest. You know, the biggest breakdown of this fight is going to be about range. How Conor McGregor breaks the range and how Habib Nurmagomedov breaks the range. Habib needs to break the range for long periods of the fight. He needs to get close, get on top of McGregor, get him against the fence for long, long periods of the fight. That's how he wins. McGregor needs to do that too, but he needs to do it for short periods of the fight. He needs to come in, hit, get out. Come in, hit, get out. And do that constantly. And keep Habib at an area where he can come in, hit, and get out. And not at an area where he can't do that. So he needs to keep Habib off of him. And he needs to get onto Habib in big moments. Whereas Habib needs to get onto McGregor at all the time and never let him come onto him because if he does come onto him he's going to hit him and he's going to hit him hard and he's going to properly knock him out because McGregor hits so hard i i think how how that's done is it's done with footwork it's done with movement it's done with bravery to be honest especially for habib because you know we talk about the jab and how you normally close the distance and how you normally cut off the cage i think conor mcgregor is the best in the world at doing that you know his footwork is is immense. He, we you know we saw against Eddie Alvarez how unbelievably good he was at cutting down, cutting off the cage and forcing Eddie Alvarez to come out at him. That's what he needs to do against Habib as well. You know a lot of people talked about that Eddie Alvarez fight and said, oh Conor McGregor or uh, Eddie Alvarez didn't try enough wrestling against Conor McGregor, and I totally and utterly disagree with that. He tried as hard as he could. McGregor just stopped him from wrestling because he pushed him back, and everything he forced Eddie Alvarez to do was in desperation. He was being pushed back so much that the only thing he could do was fly out desperately with big shots or big takedowns. 
That's exactly what he needs to do with Habib Nurmagomedov. He cannot let him get the front foot. He has to push him back and force him to be desperate to come out and try to get a shot in a McGregor, try to get a takedown in a McGregor and do whatever he can. And now Habib needs to do the same. He needs to push McGregor back, get him away from the center of the octagon, stop him circling, cut off the cage, push him up against the fence and take him down. So these two guys from the very start, they're very different types of fighters, but they have the same goal close the distance, push the guy back, get them into their realm. McGregor wants to be an aggressive counterpuncher. I talked about this, and you, you'll hear with Patrick Wyman during the week. He, you, McGregor pushes guys back, forces them to come out because they're stuck in an area where he can just tee off on them, and when they come out, he counters them. He gives them chances with his lead hand. He throws the jab. He brings the left hand low. He throws kicks. He'll give you a chance, and he, he'll give you that chance because he'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. He'll give you that chance, and he'll come in, and he'll counter you and try to hit you. Habib, he does the same. He'll give you a chance by rushing in. He'll give you a chance to hit him. We saw it with Michael Johnson. We saw it with Gleason Thibault. We saw it with Alaya Quinta. He gets hit on the way in. If McGregor can hit him on the way in, it's going to be tough. But, you know, he could knock him out. But that's not likely. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to rush in. McGregor's going to hit him and knock him out. That that that's unlikely if Habib has the front foot, but it's very likely if McGregor has the front foot, because th there's a desperation when you're not in control of the fight, when you're being pushed back, that isn't there when you're pushing your opponent back and attacking him. So there you go. That that's the crux of it. We'll get into the striking and and the resting in a second. But what what do you think about that? Do you think that that's the biggest area of the fight? And I know I went down there for about ten minutes, but anyway, what do you think? I mean, I kind of stopped listening to you halfway through there yes, while you were talking because you know you just drone on and on and on. Uh, no, I mean I agree, dude. Like you're. You're way better at fight analysis. I, when every time I try to analyze a fight, it it's, just goes poorly for me. So I kind of leave that to guys like you. Um, but it, it sounds, you know, to me, it's it sounds like it, it, it. To me, it sounds like it comes down. It's a pretty simple fight to to analyze, right? It, you know, I mean, if Khabib can put Connor on his ass and keep him on his back, he's going to win the fight. If he can't, he's going to lose. I mean, I, I know everybody says that, but like that's, and maybe that's overly simplistic. But like to me, that just seems. It seems accurate, and the thing, uh, you know, the thing that I and I, you know, I'll plug my column on the forty-two again today because I know you love that outlet. Mm -hmm. I, um, <laughs> you could do, Sean. You got to go read some of the comments on okay. on this thing. I'm, I'm just now seeing them. Um, but you know, it, it's it's one of those things. Where, like everybody thinks it's 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 super simple, and that Connor has no some for some reason. Some people still think Connor has no takedown defense, right? Which mm -hmm. I don't know how. Maybe they just don't watch the sport and they say stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but he does. He's got way better takedown defense than they think, you know. And so it's 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 a little more nuanced than well, if Khabib does this, he wins. If if Connor does this, he wins. Uh, but it's not to me. It's not that much more nuanced. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree with you. There is obviously a lot of nuance there, but uh, the overall picture of the fight is like that. McGregor needs to keep his hand and Habib needs to get his ground. But let, let's get a little bit into the to the nuance. And I think of the takedowns, especially because you hit the nail on the head there. You know, Habib is, he needs to get in and get those takedowns. But I, I think, you know, Habib, if he doesn't get sparked immediately, I think he will get in and will try to get towards the takedown or get towards the fence anyway. Now, if it's in the middle of the cage and he's coming off the back foot, as I mentioned, it's going to be tougher because Habib is really a chain wrestling fence takedown guy. You know, you, you talked about Daniel Cormier. He's very similar to that as well. Cain Velasquez, a.k.a. are very similar that, that way. He needs to push you against the fence to take you down. In the middle of the cage, I think McGregor's takedown defense, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be good enough to stop him every time, but I think, you know, if, if he throws 10 uh, takedowns, I think, 
a good seven or eight of them, McGregor will have enough to stop it in the middle of the cage. If he gets him up against the fence, I'd say it's probably nine out of ten times Habib will take him down just because he's that good. Nobody apart from Gleason Thibault was able to take him down. And when I say take him down, I mean maybe not from the very first attempt against the cage, but he'll chain and chain and chain and eventually take him down because he's great at adjusting positions to take him down from there. But, okay, in the middle of the cage, it's going to be tough. But against the cage, I think that's, that's where we need to talk about. <coughs> Habib's great there. Because he'll try to get around your legs. If you get the underhook, get him up. He'll try to get the body lock. If you get the double underhooks and get him up, he'll try to uh, come out, give you a bit of room, adjust, get back in. So I think what McGregor needs to do is get him up as high as he can. If he goes in around your legs, pull him up, get him up, turn him and get him away as quickly as you can. If you can't do that and you allow him to keep chaining those takedowns together, if he doesn't get you down the first time, you're fucked. You really are fucked. McGregor needs to attack him as well. If he is down low and he, he feels his hands clasped behind his back and he knows he's going to the ground... Hold up as much as you can, get the wizard, and attack him with those elbows. You know, we've seen McGregor knock someone out before with those elbows. You know, the Travis Brown elbows, people call them the McGregor elbows. He did them years ago, I like to call them. He, he is really good with them. We've seen other SPG guys knock uh, guys out with him. We see Isaki for Crosby a few uh, months ago knock a guy out with him. He, that's what he needs to do as well. And I think that could be a big part of the fight if McGregor doesn't spark him. Do, uh, hit him with those elbows. Make him pay him. Make, you know, we saw Neil Siri back in the day getting taken down. Uh, in I think it was, it was a Chris Beal, one, one of his fights anyway. And attacking from the bottom with elbows. McGregor did it against Mendes as well. If you get, do get taken down. But if you get taken down, you you, know, you are really fucked. You are, he's in big pain when he gets taken down. Because it's not just McGregor. It's anyone in the world against Habib. He is excellent. His half guard is unbelievably good. He can just go through you. He can absolutely bludgeon you with elbows. Uh, he can you know, trap that hand underneath your body and beat you with his other hand, leaving you in a position where you're, he takes away your legs because he, he loves the half guard and he, he holds down your base and he beats the top of you and then he holds the other side of your body. So you're, you're basically, there's nothing you can do and he's just beating you and he's, you know, he's unbelievable there. So if it gets to the ground, it's going to be bad news from McGregor. He needs to hurt him on the way down. He needs to hurt him when he's there. I think he needs to be very, very, very ultra-defensive on the ground. Keep out of Habib's half-guard if possible. It's nearly better to be inside control against Habib. If you can close guard, just hold him down. Try to get a stand-up or try to get towards the end of the round. But be very defensive there. We'll, we'll get to the striking in, the sec in a second. But what talk to us, you know, you talked about Habib there and Daniel Cormier and, and AKN. The relentlessness and this this drive to, to just go for five rounds and, and go for takedowns and bludgeon guys on the ground. That they are just unbelievable at that really, aren't they? You know, it's it's just it's a different kind of culture, a gym culture. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've been to SBG um, in Dublin and I've seen, you know, I mean, those guys are relentless also, but it, it's, it's a different kind of way. Like, you know, I mean, those guys will Connor is, you know, is famous for training essentially 24 hours a day, like having his training partners be on call 24 hours a day. Uh, you know, it's if it's 2.30 a.m. and Connor wants to train, everybody gets up, goes to the gym and trains. And he's been doing that for a long time, um, you know, it, from what from what his team and, you know, his coaches were, have told me and, and it's kind of the same at AKA, but they, it's not like a 24 hour a day thing. It's more like we have eight hours, you know, eight hours of training. We are going to push well, you know, completely nonstop during that time. It, it's just, it's a re American wrestler mentality, honestly, like, and it's kind of, it starts at the top with Cormier, um, cause he kind of sets the, sets the pace for that team. Um, but Khabib, Khabib came into that team fitting that mold already, mm -hmm. like just a nonstop 
power through injuries, you know, with just grit and determination and heart. Uh, and that's not to say that Conor McGregor has no heart. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. Like, I mean, you know, Conor, had, we have we have all seen Conor push through injuries. We saw him push through a horrible knee injury for months that was secret. Well, not a really big secret, but still, you know, he, he you know, he pushed through a whole camp essentially with a knee injury. Um, so kind of the same thing as could be, but it's just, it's, 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 a diff- it's hard to describe, man, but it's a little bit of a different, a different mentality. Yeah, the, the mentality, I think, of these two lads is, is very different to maybe all the McGregor fights we've seen before, because, you know, Habib's not a soft American, let's be honest here, you know, he, he's, he, this guy came, this guy came from the, the rough of the rough, and, you know, even the rougher area than McGregor, and I know McGregor didn't come from the best area in the world, and, you know, Ireland... Well, uh, well, the war zone, right? The war zone of Dublin? According to ESPN? I still never read that, because I'm like, oh, God, do I really want to put... You should. <laughs> you should read it, because... Well, you should read it because for two reasons. Because one, Wright Thompson is one of the best sports writers ever. Um, and number two, this is the worst thing he's ever written. Like, it's just complete fiction. So it's worth, you know, I, I will say that as somebody who loves Wright Thompson's writing, mm-hmm. this is a pile of horseshit. It was terrible. <laughs> I suppose it's appropriate for talking about Dublin anyway, because that is a pile of hardship. But anyway, <laughs> come on now, you're talking about my city. What the worst city in the world? I'm the king. I'm the king of Dublin. You like Liverpool and Dublin? What's wrong with you? I have no. I have no idea. I didn't say I like Liverpool. I just, right. you know. Actually, that's, that's true. I do. I did enjoy my time at Liverpool. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, but yeah, we thought uh, McGregor's striking just for a second because I don't think we, we've talked about it enough. And you know what McGregor does? A lot of people, you know, look at McGregor and they. they they talk about his striking and they say a lot of it's just kind of the set up the left hand and it definitely is but I think maybe people underestimate that and you know it's, uh, talking about the mentality as well and he, a lot of people say oh these guys are wrecked they're mentally gone you know the Alvarez didn't go for takedowns because he mentally ruined him so much Jose Aldo ran in at him because he, he mentally fucked him up Poirier like the common denominator there is Conor McGregor being good enough to take all those guys out and I think people kind of forget that and if he beats Habib, you'll probably hear the same. You you know because if he does beat Habib, I think he needs to push him back and stop him from wrestling. So you'll probably hear, oh, Habib didn't wrestle against McGregor. If he does do that, when it won't be true at all. But the McGregor striking is good because of that footwork, because of the ability to push him back. But the strikes he throws are also really good. He's fakes off the off the front hand. He's jab. He doesn't have the the most exquisite, beautiful jab in the world, but he uses it extremely well to set up his his left hand. You know the the Celtic crosses. Robin Robin Black called it. He throws really good. His leg kicks we saw against Nate Diaz are really good and we saw Habib hit with a lot of leg kicks uh, against um, uh, against Alay Quinta or Edson Barboza even you know his spinning kicks are really good and the spinning kicks as well are uh, people you know they talk about him for sure if he hits with you with him he's going to knock you out but they really are to keep the distance as well but he throws just so many shots that left hand is like a dynamo he can throw the left hook coming inside he can throw a straight left he can throw the uppercut and the uppercut is something that's really good as well because he, he kind of leans his head out and gives you a chance to come in and then he comes in and attacks you with the uppercut now from that then we talk about Habib striking and Habib striking is a little bit underestimated I think I don't think it's as bad as people make out but when you're talking about Conor McGregor being the top top level and like Habib being the top top level of wrestler Habib is novice amateur level compared to that like McGregor is novice amateur level in wrestling compared to Habib so if if you know it's all about where this fight's going to be fought if this fight is fought on the ground Habib is going to destroy him if it's fought on the defeat McGregor is going to destroy him even more and, and going from that then, we kind of broken it down enough. How do you see this fight going? Who do you think will win? 
Well, another thing that maybe we didn't, you didn't mention, and, you know, maybe because I'm wrong, um, and this is an incorrect observation, but yeah, I, I think that Connor's uh, spinning like the back body kicks yeah. are going to play a big, big part in this mm-hmm. fight because I, the way Khabib just constantly moves forward with his hand, I mean, you know, he's he's got his hands up, he's guarding his face, but like his protection of his own body is pretty thin, minimal at best, right? And so, I mean, I could see Connor hitting him with a couple of those spinning back heel kicks, you know, to to the gut, mm-hmm. and like. Once he hits a couple of those, man, that's going to change the complexion of the fight in terms of Khabib's ability to really shoot for a takedown, man. Like that, you know, you get hit in the gut, you get hit in the breadbasket like that a couple of times, and it, man, it it hurts you. It may not stun you the way that, you know, a good shot to the head does, but it's going to, over the long haul, it's going to hurt quite a bit and, and hamper his ability to get him down. So, I mean, I, I think that you could see, I think we're going to see we might see Connor open up with a few of those. And if he lands a couple, it, it could really change the fight. That, you know, but all that being said, man, Connor has still been out for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that he's fat and happy. I'm not going to say that he is resting on his laurels because I can't say that another man is doing that without seeing him and being in his shoes or spending time with him, which, which I have not done this fight and so i cannot i don't know what his mindset is i don't know if he's just enjoying his money and is just collecting another paycheck uh like some guys have been known to do in the past um or if he's truly angry and driven and determined it seems like he is but i don't know for sure um and so with all that being said i i just cannot pick against khabib Nurmagomedov, and i haven't picked against connor in a long time i mean except for the mayweather fight um but that didn't count because it wasn't a real fight. I just can't pick against Khabib, man. He's been around. His style, I think, presents too many problems for Connor. Uh, there's too many things that Connor has to do right uh, in order to win the fight in my in my head. And so I, I I'm picking Khabib, and I'm picking him probably by stoppage and probably the fourth round after bludgeoning Connor for three rounds. Mm-hmm. I, I was picking Habib up until this week, and I, I said I was on uh, Josh Nason's punch out over there on, uh, on Wrestling Observer. If you haven't seen that, check it out. And I picked Habib there. I was on RTE a couple of weeks ago, and I picked Habib there. But I'm changing. I don't know. I just gone back watching <coughs> watching these fights <coughs> as I choked to death. Gone back watching these fights, seeing how they fight each other, seeing what they're great at. And I, I okay. I think if McGregor comes in and looks like a guy who hasn't fought in two years, Habib will beat him. You know, if he comes in and maybe his camp isn't long enough and he isn't fit enough and he isn't fast enough, he isn't sharp enough, Habib will beat him. But I think 100% Conor McGregor against 100% Khabib, I think Conor McGregor beats him. I really do. I think what Conor McGregor has built his whole career around, and you can talk about Conor McGregor being this flashy guy with millions of, of dollars and houses and uh, uh, cars and everything, but none of that would be there if Conor McGregor wasn't a great fighter. And he makes himself a great fighter because he pushes guys back, makes them desperate, and hits them hard and knocks them out. He, he's at the best in the world at doing that. And that's what he needs to do against Habib Nurmagomedov. He needs to push him back, win the front foot, and knock him out. That's what he needs to do. And I think we underestimate Conor McGregor a little, and we overestimate wrestlers a little bit as well. And, you know... They're, they're, we're probably right to do that at sometimes because we, you know, we look back and we look at Tyron Woodley and we look at Darren Till and we saw the wrestler getting uh, the win over uh, over the, the striker. We look at Francis Ngannou against Steve Miocic and we see the wrestler winning. You know, we can look back at all these fights and see it. But Conor McGregor is different. 
Conor McGregor is a diff- a generational type talent. I really, really believe that. I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. And, you know, I'm not just saying this and, uh, you know, because I'm Irish or because I'm biased or whatever. I've picked against Conor McGregor before. I picked Nate Diaz to beat him. I was, you know, I, I was thinking about picking Habib. But just going back watching this, I think what Conor McGregor is excellent at and what he's the best at will win him the fight here. Now, the same can be said for Habib. And it takes very little for either guy to lose this fight. It takes something small. This fight will be won by Minutia. And I really think it's a 51-49 type of fight here. One of the guys is going to win it. And I just, I'm just i just leaning towards McGregor because of that front foot. I think that's the key area of this fight. And I think McGregor is the best in that area. But to forget about the breakdown. Forget about all of this. This is a, this is a fight for supremacy. This is a fight to see who is the man. This, you know, this is a fight for for wrestling. This is a fight for striking. This is a fight to, to you know, to, that means something. This is a, this is a little bit different. This is guys going out and implementing their will to see who is the best in the world. These are two of the top fighters in the world. You know, Habib, you you know, you talked about it there. He is this relentless wrestler that will never stop. Will beat you up. Will make your night an absolute mess. Will make your life a mess. Can you know? He's the type of guy that can finish your career in a night. He'll beat you so badly. That's what he is. And Conor McGregor is the type of guy who will who will hurt you coming into the fight and then destroy you once you're there with one shot in one second. He can do that, or he can beat you down over five or six minutes like he did to Eddie Alvarez. That, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at ab- two absolute killers in different ways. And this is a fight for whose way is the best. Is it going to be striking that's the best? Is it going to be wrestling that's the best? Who's going to win the middle part to get it there? That's the key to this fight. And we'll know on Saturday night who's going to win it. I'm picking McGregor, but I'm not, I, I'm not that sure at all. If Habib won, I would not be one bit surprised. But I'm really looking forward to this fight, as you can probably tell. Can't wait, Jeremy. Any any final thoughts on that before we move on? No, I'm I'm excited, and now that we've talked about it more, I'm even more excited. Mm-hmm. Especially I, to see you prove wrong. <laughs> I always love that. That's yeah. one of my favorite things. So, uh, God, I, I probably will be proved wrong. Like, like let's be honest, it, it, it could go either way. I'm not. I I'm just making a pick because people give out to me if I don't make a pick because I, I kind of hate making making picks, and I've stopped making picks over the last while. But with this fight, I kind of have to make one, and I've gone back and forth. But but anyway, no, right. I got you. I'm as as somebody who is always wrong. I can, I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson is fighting Anthony Pettis this week in the co-main event. Did, uh, like, this is a fight that's totally gone under the radar. This is a high-level, brilliant, big fight as well. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I am too. I mean, honestly, I had, I'd forgotten that, that it was even on this card mm-hmm. um, until I started looking at the full card. Because, I mean, really, you get you get in that zone where you're just focused like on the main event, which is kind of what I where I've been the past few months because mm-hmm. the main event's the only thing that matters to me on a lot of these fight cards. Uh, but, the, you know... This whole card is actually really interesting, all the way down to the prelims. But I, I, I do love this co-main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. But yeah. Sean, I swear yeah. to God, Sean, Sean, if 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 somebody gets like, if Connor gets, if somebody gets injured, if Connor gets injured, and they try to do Tony Ferguson and Khabib, and then that falls out, I just know it all started with you. You're mm-hmm. the person to blame. It's all you are the the one we're all gonna blame for this. God, I'm like, I, uh, I, I'm, I, it's actually gonna be the worst time of my life if that happens because I've just, i so much prepared. It's, it's just gonna be awful. I feel like just releasing them I, all now. Just. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If that actually, if that does happen, if Connor gets injured and they try to make that fight and it's this whole big shit show, I will come back to Twitter just to make fun of you. That's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hope it happens now. But uh, this Tony Ferguson, uh, Anthony Pettis fight. Uh, you know, watching tape on these two guys last night, they're they're not similar fighters, but they like to fight in a similar sort of wild way. 
and I think that's dangerous for Tony Ferguson. You're not coming into this. You're talking Anthony Pettis maybe a little bit past his best. Tony Ferguson is coming back from injury, so you don't know how he's going to be. But you you think you know Tony Ferguson at this stage of his career is at a better place than Anthony Pettis. But I think this is a dangerous fight for Tony, uh, for uh, Tony Ferguson because nobody has really ever beaten Anthony Pettis when it's a wild fight when you give him chances to hit you. Everyone has beaten him by you know either taking him down or making relentless pushing him back like RDA did, just beating him up or you know beating him on the ground or whatever. I don't think Tony Ferguson is going to be, and he'll look for a few takedowns, but I don't think he's going to be going out looking for takedowns all the time. I think he'll be making, look, looking to make it wild. If he can drop in a submission, drop a one, but like throwing big spinning kicks, big big shots over the top, just being wild. And against Anthony Pettis, that's dangerous because if you give Pettis, uh, you know, time to plant his feet, time to throw those shots, it's very dangerous. And I watched the Lando Venata fight the last day with, with Tony Ferguson, and he, he that fight probably should have been stopped at one stage. And I don't think anyone would agree that Lando Venata has, uh, Lando Venata has half the fighter Tony for or uh, Tony Pettis is even this this to me is a potential banana skin for Tony Ferguson now I, I don't know I'm kind of leaning towards Anthony Pettis in this but uh, I don't know why I just have this feeling and I've I'm kind of addicted to Anthony Pettis and breaking down what he's good at and what he's bad at and stuff so maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm gone mad there but you know a friend of mine as well as a physio and he, he was saying to me that, that when that injury came you're talking about the end of the year you're talking about january february before he's back and what are we now in october and he's back you know three two or three months before and what, what do you think about this you know him coming back uh, early and, and the matchup itself i i, I think that it's it's interesting because anthony Pettis, there was a time man like going back to you know even this wc debut you know i i think he got a guy named mike campbell um even going back then, it was like this is a guy that you've got to keep your eye on. Like this, this is a real prospect. And as he kept going through that through his WC career, like I mean, he got better and better. And by the time he hit the UFC, dude, it seemed like he was a fully formed. I mean, everybody knows about the Showtime kick, obviously. Um, you know, in his final WC fight, because that's on the highlight reels from now until the end of you know the end of time. But by the time that Pettis, you know, made it to the UFC, it felt like he was a fully formed product. And and the thing is, is I don't even, I don't think he was. I think he won the championship still without even being fully, you know, a fully developed uh, fighter at that point. And, you know, you may agree, you may disagree. You're probably wrong. I'm probably right. But, um, I, you know, I think that I think what you're seeing now is is a guy that has his focus back. I mean, there was a time there and Anthony Pettis will tell you the same thing where he just kind of lost focus. He kind of got consumed by the, the stardom and the money and the going out, and the partying and the women and whatnot. Um and now he's kind of back to his roots in terms of his training. And, and, and so I, I think, I think what you're seeing now is an Anthony Pettis that kind of got derailed for a while, but is now back on track. Um, and I agree with you, man. Like, you know, the first time I saw this match, you know, th this matchup announced, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, Tony Ferguson's going to win that fight, but I don't, I don't feel so confident anymore, man. I think that Anthony Pettis is kind of having a, re you know, a renaissance in his career, and I think it's a really interesting matchup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot. As you mentioned, lots of interesting ones as well. OSP versus Dominic Reyes, Derek Lewis versus Volkov. Uh, We've Michelle Watterson versus Felice Herrig. Sean O'Malley's back. Sergio Perez versus Juicy Formiga is a fantastic fight. Uh, yeah, we well, O'Malley. Can we can we talk about Sean O'Malley? Yeah, go on. Tell us. Like, so this is a guy who, when he was on Dana White Tuesday night, I was like, I hated this guy because it's just not really my type of guy. Like, the, you know, the hippie, pot-smoking dude. Is, it just, I don't know, man. Something about him rubbed me the wrong way. But the, the, I've watched him fight now, like all of his UFC fights. And this guy is, I'm not going to say he's a Jeremy Bonner guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that. But what I will say is, like, I will watch anytime this guy fights, man. I don't know anything about Jose Alberto Quinones. But I'm excited to watch Sean, Sean O'Malley. 
Am I, am I, you know, am I alone in that thinking? No, I think lots of people are. He's really fun. He's a bit of crack. He's a bit different, uh, which is something that's very hard to be in the UFC these days because it's so cookie cutter. And even Reebok making him, you know, that that uh, tie dye T shirt or whatever it's called, you know, yeah. it's something different. And people, I think it's absolutely hideous, but still, you know, it's it's funny and people can can see it and they know him. And it's very hard to get someone to know you. Even like Tatiana Suarez, really, really great fighter. Un- until our last couple of fights, people, you know, kind of forgot about her. You know, she had to kind of go out and beat Tatiana or. Uh, beat uh, Carlos Barza, former champion, the people really to realise who she actually is and with Sean O'Malley, he's not nearly as, as far up the divisions as someone like uh, like she is, uh, but people know him, so that you know that's, that's a big factor Alright, yeah, and, then, and then Gray Maynard and Nick Lentz, dude, that might be the worst fight, that has the potential to be the worst fight ever, yeah, how's, so, Graham, how's Gray Maynard still fighting, he's like himself in I don't know, dude, but I'm glad to, man, I'll tell you what I'm glad to see he's back at lightweight, man, because watching him at featherweight was horrifying mm-hmm. I talk a lot of shit about Frank Edgar as well, but to, to look at uh, Graham Maynard and BJ Penn and see where Frank Edgar actually is right now, still not looking that bad, it's you know a testament to him and how how good he's kept himself over the years. But that, that's beside. Yeah, Gray Maynard is Gray Maynard is one year younger than me, and he looks like he's twenty years older than me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, all right, Bellator. <laughs> Bellator happened right. on Saturday night. And coming into this, Sean was... There were people accusing me of being a paid shill by Bellator because I was so excited about having Bellator on TV. It was on Channel 5. Now, we couldn't record or anything, but we could watch it. It was the first time I'd ever seen Bellator in HD. It was great. Karish Kafalima was, was a pretty good fight. Um, uh, uh, Vanderlei against Rampage was actually a really good fight. I really enjoyed it. You know, Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was really good. A great finish for Rampage. Uh, Aaron Pico just looked unbelievable, looked really, really good. <clears throat> and then we came to the main event. Rory McDonald walking into the cage, I'm getting good. They, they switched to an ad, which I thought was a bit odd because there hadn't been ads all day because it had been a zone show. So I'm waiting for the for the ads to end. And then this Access Hollywood show comes on. I'm like, geez, that's weird. And I'm looking at my phone and go, they're, they're announcing them now. And the Access Hollywood show ends, the injustice are announced, and I was like, okay, they just went for a break while, while the, the fights were getting ready, now we're going to start, and I'm just waiting for, for them to come back from ads after that, and then Peppa Pig comes on, and then we get, and then we get an hour of Peppa Pig, and I'm sitting there waiting for this fight to come on, and I'm looking at my phone, and this place has gone absolutely insane, saying that we were, <coughs> we were here to watch Bellator, and now we've Peppa Pig instead, and the main event that we set up until five past six in the morning for, has been cut off, and we can't see it. And then we find out later that it's the watershed apparently, uh, because it's a terrestrial channel, and the UFC can go during the day because they're on BT Sports and all that. Even though BT Sports is free terrestrially for a lot of people, because they when they have the internet and all, and it's they call it free to air. So I don't know how that's diff- any different. But anyway. How like this is such a clusterfuck? And afterwards, <clears throat> Scott Coker kind of half apologized, said it won't happen again, and laughed at it at one stage as it happened. And I'm like, what the fuck are you laughing at? Like, what what's what's going on here? Bellator are a joke to me, an absolute fucking laughing stock. That they, they they allow this to happen, and you can go in, you can blame Channel Five or whatever. How did you not think this could happen? How did you not look into this? You, you they announced their their UK officer last night. Is that good? Just dude, just sitting at home doing nothing like. Well, what's the, what's the crack with him? Like, is he not telling people? They've they've loads of employees now. They're after signing 30, 30 fighters or whatever it is from the UK and Ireland. Do they not know what goes on here? Could they not throw up a YouTube stream if this was going to happen? How is it? How hard is it to throw up a YouTube stream? Why couldn't they put it on YouTube straight away when you're not going to show them an event when you, when you think it could be cut off? Did you even think about it? Like, whatever way you look at it, it's it's to, to steal a phrase from from Luke Thomas. It's promotional malpractice. This was an absolute joke. 
and I, I probably could have gone on an hour long rant about this on the podcast today but we have a, a fight we can actually watch to talk about next week and uh, I'm pretty mad do you think I'm what, what do you think Jeremy I don't even have a question oh, for you yeah so I guess I didn't really know what happened with this pep because this is all brand new to me mm-hmm. um, I can't believe that happened like that's kind of a shocker that that would <laughs> that that would happen but I mean look um, at the end of the day Bellator is not the UFC. And by that, I mean, the UFC is a professional organization that has, you know, they are aware of the laws and the rules and the things like that, that are, that are in effect in the different markets that they're going to, like they have all that under control. Bellator is still kind of the wild west, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not saying that they're not a professional organization, but they kind of also are not a professional organization. Um, which is what I love about them. But, you know, I, I, yeah, I can see how, things like this would would probably annoy an entire subset of fans um yeah that would piss me off too but here's the, you know the good thing is is like the fight didn't really live up to expectations so you didn't miss that much mm-hmm. well, tell us what tell us what happened in the fight considering i didn't see it musassi ended up winning second round tko was it yeah so you didn't actually go back and watch it or no you just, i refuse you fuck just them. said fuck it i'm yeah, not gonna them, i'm not, not, I'm not gonna fucking watch it no even though rory mcdonald is one of your favorite fighters yeah i refuse fuck them I'm not you just fucking them. refuse I right refuse, yeah. uh yeah, no, I mean, Musasi, like, the, you know, the thing is, is uh, Musasi's jab was a big factor in the first round. He kept snapping Rory's head back, and Rory really didn't seem to have much answer for it. And finally, Rory shot and kind of a desperation shot, uh, shoot, was not able, or desperation shot, and was not able to come even close to Musasi. Um, you know, the first, first round was pretty, was fairly close until the end, and Musasi kind of started to pull away. Second round started, and that's where I fell asleep. And then I woke up, and they were announcing Musasi as the winner. Mm-hmm. So, there's your anal- uh, analysis. I wish I had fallen asleep. Something happened. Something happened in the second round. <laughs> I missed it because I was asleep. Musasi won. I missed. It I think he won by. I think he won by TKO. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just making well. shit up. I'm just literally making shit up right now. <laughs> Uh, Peppa Pig was great anyway if anyone was wondering so that was a uh, pretty good what episode was it like a good Peppa Pig episode or was it... <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know I was just so enraged I couldn't even enjoy Peppa Pig that's how bad it got I'm gonna uh, get dude I'm gonna I'm gonna torment you from now until the end of time with Peppa Pig <laughs> thing oh god oh god I I, I, I don't know I know you're on, not on Twitter but uh, I uh, I put BJ Pin onto a picture of Peppa Pig and tweeted uh, out last yes. night yes Dude, that's my, that, that thing, when when you and I fucking made that shit up, like, whatever, however many years ago, did you ever imagine that it would still be a thing no. in 2018? There's, like, this there's like this, uh, this Instagram account that does, like, memes and whatever, and all the time, they got, like, fucking 50,000 likes on our thing that they robbed, but fair play to them. Like, I know, yeah. dude, it's like... We just did it because we thought it was funny. Yeah. And I was like, hey, look at his face. It looks like he like, put that in any picture and it'd be funny. And, yeah. And all these years later, yeah, people are using it. All right. And I, did, I didn't make a dime. Like, yeah, me neither. Fuck's sake, bastards. God. Fuck the internet. Oh, yeah, fuck the internet. Sure. I woke up this morning to 3,000 likes on a Peppa Pig tweet. <laughs> so, so, um, so that's how your day's going. That's well, how I have, my day's going. I have people on my... I have, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out these insults on my uh, column on the 42. There's another plug for you. Mm-hmm, um, you lead story on the 42.ie right now, but I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is a bell end. A bell like, end. I have no idea what a. It's what is a, a bell end? It's like a dickhead, basically. A bell end is like the, the top of your dick. Do you know that? Because it looks like a bell. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like a bell. Yeah. It's what if your dick doesn't look like a bell? I don't know. It's basically like a bell end is like you're a dickhead. You're a fucking idiot. Like you know. Okay. 
Well, people, uh, dude, I, Irish people hate Conor McGregor. A lot of, people, yeah, a lot of Irish people hate Conor McGregor. Ireland is known for having lots of begrudgers who just hate anyone that does anything good. And, you know, in fairness, though, McGregor does give a lot of people reason to hate him as well. <laughs> so, in fairness, you, you can't say that. But, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I remember when I was in Dublin and I was riding with this uh, Uber driver. And it's like this old 70-year-old guy who's like, a huge boxing fan. And he, he called Conor McGregor. And this was back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like before championships before anything like he called conor mcgregor some names that i mean i had to go figure out some of them later but i was like oh my god like i'm turning red this is this is embarrassing i mean like yeah he was pretty passionate about his uh his conor hatred mm-hmm. uh right before we get to the questions we've wanting <clears throat> one more thing which we have to give a few minutes to the ufc have signed and it's officially uh signed with 11 sports for their broadcasting uh deal from january 1st uh, jim edwards reported it first a couple of months ago but it's been made official uh this week uh i i've been in contact with the ufc since then and they've told me that the the, the paper some some fights are going to go, go on pay-per-view um no indication yet how many are going to go out for Tinder on pay-per-view. So that could be Sky Box Office, BT Sport Box Office. Uh, it's going to cost $60, I believe, or $69, 60 $70 or euros even a year and seven a month if you want to pay it that way. Um, it is... Okay, all the Fight Night cards are going to be on 11 Sports for that price. The pay-per-view cards, which are not put out to pay-per-view, so the numbered cards, let's say, which are not put out to pay-per-view, will be on 11 Sports as well. The, all the prelims will remain on Fight Pass. They'll be exclusive there. And they told me that the Fight Night events, the main cards, will also be on Fight Pass. So... That's that's going to be interesting. I went back and asked them about the, the numbered events, and I haven't got a reply back from from them yet. So I presume they're going to be exclusive to the, to um to eleven sports. So that, that's you know if you have just fight pass and you don't want to get eleven sports, you're still going to be able to watch a lot of fights. You know most of them apart from apart from twelve a year, you're going to be able to watch them all. So you know okay, this is this is the debut of pay per view in the UK and Ireland, which which is a big big problem because. You know, staying up until three a.m. to to spend twenty quid on a card or whatever it's going to cost is going to be is going to be tough. I think there's a a big factor here of how many they're going to do a year. I think if they do two, three, four a year, we could live with it. I, I think we you know, and it'd probably end up being cheaper uh, than BT Sports is because BT Sports is like twenty eight quid or something a month. But a lot of people didn't understand you as I mentioned earlier on. You get BT Sport free in, in the UK a lot, but for people in our actually you get a free in Ireland for a lot of people as well. So it's going to cost more, but. Look, to be honest, and I tweeted a few weeks ago, I think this is a terrible timing for the for the UFC and 11 Sport. I think, I, I think Ireland and the UK is way behind America in terms of, of, of streaming services and stuff like that. People still love TV here. People still want to catch live sports on TV here, and I'm, I know it's the same in America, but I, I, don't, I just don't think we're in that level yet, and especially as well for a sport. I, I really think people in the UK and Ireland are are more inclined to watch MMA and other sports than people in other parts of the world, especially in America, I think. I, I think a lot of sports fans will watch MMA uh, here, and I think having Premier League football behind you, as as we did uh, in, in the UK and Ireland with BT Sports, was huge for MMA. Like, okay, MMA fans are going to sign up to 11 Sports and watch it, but how are you going to get new fans? You know, people watching this McGregor fight, how are they going to, you know, okay, that'll probably be on pay-per-view, so that'll be a little bit different maybe, but, you know, if you've Joe Duffy or if you have, you know, uh, you know Bisping or, I know Bisping's retired, but, you know, Mark D. Casey or whoever, and you want people, to, you know, to, in their area to watch it, it's, you're going to make it harder for them to watch it when they can just kind of throw on BT Sports. And 
I just think it's bad timing. I think three years down the line maybe would have been the right time for this. But I think now it's a little bit soon. I don't think it's a good deal. But let's let's wait to see what what the you know what comes out of it uh, after this. But yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Jeremy? I know you're obviously in America and stuff like that. But what, these deals are kind of changing the game, aren't they? They're they're going to streaming. They're going to ESPN Plus in America. Obviously, Evan Sports here. What do you think of this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, look the. the one thing I would like to say about DAZN, uh, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I just figured out that that means, like, the zone. Yeah. So that shows how slow I am. Um, I, I, dude, I, they have, I mean, I subscribe to a lot of streaming services. I've done five passes in WWE Network. I've done, you know, I mean, my, my main TV provider is YouTube TV, which I love. I think it's fantastic. Um, DAZN has the literal best stream that i've ever seen a phenomenal looking stream i mean it looks like a full hd stream it's as close to full hd as i've seen from a streaming service uh that said if they can't get their shit together in you know different parts of the world then um that's the things like that with the whole the whole fucking peppa pig incident are the (laughs) reason why people don't trust streaming services right because like if you're an old school guy like i mean anybody my age or older is going to be a little bit skeptical of uh you know, maybe making the internet their primary source of entertainment, especially when it comes to live sports, right? Like, I mean, you know, I, I stream soccer. I mean, I stream football, soccer, all that stuff every, every weekend. I mean, I, you know, I, that's how I've watched Everton for years because there was no TV deals available and also nobody wanted to watch Everton. Um, yeah, but you know, the truth is that, that, that it's, it's, I, you know, I've been doing that for years, so I'm, I'm used to watching, content consuming content that way you know especially live sports but for somebody you know usually people my age or older uh like for my parents that's a completely foreign concept the notion of what you making a streaming platform uh there and they don't even know what the word streaming platform means um the the notion of getting their live sports and their news and whatnot over the internet is completely foreign concept to them uh and so you know streaming for some people it's a completely like me completely normal thing but then you have stuff like the zone you know and then the whole peppa pig incident and that you know that's the kind of stuff that sets streaming back um it gives people a reason it validates their lack of trust and things like this and so i think it's going to be i mean do i mean i think in the next five years i think you're going to see all entertainment move to streaming mm-hmm. um maybe not exclusively but i think you're going to see a lot of people over the next five years that it's going to be you know their number one the number one way that they get uh they get their content they get their sports they get their soccer they get every you know mma everything um but for now yeah i mean you have things like you have issues like that with with you guys and peppa pig like that's gonna that's gonna hurt the cause a little bit that wasn't streaming though that was on tv it was on channel five oh my bad Mm -hmm. there we go yeah, but apparently that's la- even worse. Yeah, that is worse. Apparently, last night though, there was a lot of streaming issues and stuff with uh, in America with the zone. I saw Luke Thomas and a few more people talking about it. So, that's I, dude, I had no. I for me, it was crystal clear from beginning to end. Like it's the best stream that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw Dave Meltzer talking about that with the Joshua fight last week as well on his podcast. He said it was really good. So. Yeah. yeah, it was phenomenal. Like it was, it was crystal clear. It was, it was better than WWE. It was better than UFC. Like it was, it was fantastic. All right, let's get let's get into the questions. And let me let me give a quick shout out to this. We have a, a WhatsApp number now, so if you want to send us voice messages, and we've one coming up here, we got one in today, but we want to make this a feature. So please send us in voice messages. Our number is okay. Pause the podcast here, so I'm going to give you the number, so you can save it for your phone. 87 three six four four six zero two. If you're outside of America, it's plus three five three. Eight seven 
364402. Right. You can send us text I'm gonna messages. I'm going to leave so many I'm going to leave so many text messages <laughs> yeah. and voicemails now. I'm, I'm only going to turn on like once a week anyway, so it's okay if you want to do that. <laughs> feel free, feel free. Uh here's the first one. You can send us in voice messages or text messages today uh today uh today or even uh, here's the first voice message, and this one is from Michael Muto. So let's listen to this, and we're going to answer it. Hi, lads. It's uh, Michael here from Broadford. Just wondering if Conor McGregor wins, who do you think he will fight next? So he asked, who do you think will win? If uh, Who do you think Conor McGregor will fight next if he wins? What, what do you think, Jeremy? There's obviously been a lot of talk about uh, George St. Pierre, Tyron Woodley, you know, Tony Ferguson if he wins here at the weekend. Who would you think he'll fight next if he ends up winning here? Do you think he'll fight at all? I mean, I still go with the idea that he's not going to fight at all. I think this might be a one-off, but you know, I've been I've been wrong before. Um, so I, I I I don't think Tony Ferguson though is the guy that's really going to get McGregor up to fight. Um, I think think at that point it's going to be George. If he beats Khabib, I think it's going to be George St. Pierre bust. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it'll be GSP as well. I, I thought it'd be GSP now, apart from, uh, you know because. If that bus incident didn't happen, I think it would have been GSP now or later on the year, early next year or something. But yeah, I think it it will be GSP unless something insane happens between between now and then. Uh, question from Thomas Delaney as well on WhatsApp: uh, Would Lima trouble uh, Tyron Woodley with leg kicks if he signed with the UFC? He handed Rory McDonald the belt with bad tactics final round when he had one with leg kicks, and now again tonight, cheers. Yeah, I think I think he could. I think Lima's a really good fighter. Um, but I think Tyron Woodley is the master of game planning. And if he sees someone has a, a, you know, if you look at someone and their problem in the past was game planning, Tyron Woodley is going to absolutely hurt them, you know, in, in that in that situation. So I, I think he could, but uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he, he would. Uh, one from Barry Meek as well. Hey, Sean, with Connor seeming to be training extensively with Dylan Discamp, do you think there's even a remote chance Connor will, if he sees an opening, take Habib down for submission or see solely self-defense against Habib Wrestling? Uh, yeah, no, there's no chance of that. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, no, no chance of that. Yeah, definitely no chance. Uh, as well, we started up an Instagram this week. So you can follow us on Instagram, at Pod. We're finally getting around to doing uh, these things. We're putting up loads of, of stuff there. And we have a couple of questions from Instagram as well. Uh, Riggins32, odds on the fight ending via McGregor elbows as Habib has him up against the cage looking to take him down. Yeah, I talked about that earlier on. I think there's I think there's a, not a, a good chance of that, but I think there's a... A higher than ten percent chance of that happening. You know, I really think there's a chance of that because I think the fight will get there. Uh, and and uh, yeah, uh, Alex Mona with a question we kind of answered last week, but he said, "Do you think the likes of Ali and Luke Thomas should be bringing uh, more issues to light about uh, the disgusting past of Ali Abdelaziz? I used to be a big fan of Joe Duffy, but can't bring myself to support a fighter associated with him, and I'm surprised uh, as how little the story has been mentioned." Well, yeah, we kind of talked about that last week. Uh, you know. The Ali Abdelaziz situation, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because he is associated with these fighters, and these fighters are people you still have to cover no matter who they're kind of associated with. Or, you know, That's kind of the situation that people are stuck in, and you can't ignore him if you're in that position when you, you need to talk to these fighters, or you, it's your job to talk to these fighters, basically. And it's, you know, it's not your job uh, unless you're an investigative journalist like Karim Zidane is, and he does a really, really great job of that. I, they're in a tough position, aren't they, guys like that, who, who kind of have to deal with, with a guy like Ali, aren't they? 
Yeah, but I mean, I think there's also, a, you know, I mean, look, as I said last week, Ali's a garbage human um, and one of the worst people in the sport. Um, but at the same, you know, at the same time, you do need to talk to his fighters. But what that does not mean, Sean, is kissing his ass mm-hmm. uh, in order to get what you need. That's not what a journalist does. That's not what anybody who covers this sport should do. Um, that's not what anybody who wants to cover this sport should do. That, that you know, um, keeping somebody happy so you can get access to their other clients is not the way you do it. Uh, you know, it, you do your best to go through him if he blocks your asset like he i mean you know if i ever if i ask i'll leave for an, in an interview with any of his guys he's gonna say no um that's just that's the way he is mm-hmm. um but, but my job then is not to like try to make him happy and play gate him so that i can get somebody it's to go around him and try to figure out how to get the interview another way which is what i usually do mm-hmm. um yeah i mean I, I get that people are in a tough situation but look i mean you know kareem uh, Mike Russell and others have done a phenomenal job on investigating Ali's past. And I urge anybody to go look into that if, if, if they can. Um, but I, and so I get, I appreciate the people are in a tough position, but yeah, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to kiss his ass. Mm-hmm. You never want to do that. Yeah. Um, by the way, all the Patreon questions this week, I'm going to do a special Q and a, a longer one this week. So that's going to be on Patreon. I, I put it up on Patreon. So all the people there should know, but if you haven't seen that message, they're all going to be on this, that this week. So I can give them enough time and I'm going to do an extra long special one this week. So we'll get to a few from Twitter and I'll answer the rest of the Twitter ones, uh, I, over there. I as have well. a question. Yeah. I've got, I have a question for you. Go on. Um, cause we didn't talk, we lost right over it. Mm-hmm. Aaron Pico, best yeah. prospect in the sport. Yeah. The next champion. The next question was about him actually for Mr. Podge. Any uh, chance we see and, Pico on the UFC or will Cocker's belt or be able to keep a hold of him? I think that's a big issue, isn't it? Because this is a guy who is probably the best prospect in the sport at this time. Maybe Zabit Megamed Sharapov as well is up there and they're both in the same weight class. I'd love to see them fighting, but it's going to be hard for the for Bellator to, to, to keep him. If, you know, if his contract runs out, if he gets a free agency, which if he's smart, he'll do, there's going to be a big war over this guy, isn't there? Yeah, there would be normally, but the thing is, is Pico has been in that Scott Coker system for a long, like even long before he signed with Bellator, he's been in that Scott Coker system. Uh, You know, he's had Bob Cook and guys like that guiding his career. Um, I think he's, you know, he's going to be kind of more like a Daniel Cormier. I mean, who, who signed with Strikeforce, you know, when there were other offers and other places to bring him along. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that you're going to see him fight the free agency on this first contract. I think you'll see him resign. But eventually, I mean, the guy's 22. I think he's already one of the best. I mean, dude, his boxing is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I I think he's one of the best, one of the top five fighters in Bellator, at least. Um, Not just a prospect. Like, the kid is stunningly good. Uh, Just his, dude, his body shots that they make me want to shit my pants. Like it's pretty incredible watching him do what he does. I think that, you know, I don't think he's going to fight out this first time and go become a free agent after this contract. But I do think that soon enough, he will become a free agent. And I, you know, I, I think there's a good, at that point, I think he'll have exhausted all his potential opponents and gone as far as he can in Bellator. And at that point, I think Scott Coker would wish him well and, and send him on his way. And dude, there are so many matchups. I want to see for Aaron Pico in the UFC. Mm-hmm. The thing about guys like Pico coming in that have maybe come from boxing or wrestling, it's it's always those in-between bits, you know, and uh, they can look great boxing, they can look great wrestling, but it's kind of the footwork, the movement, the, you know, just being comfortable in the octagon or, or the cage in Bellator's case is is something that a lot of people struggle with. Aaron Pico, okay, maybe in his first fight, but in his last couple of fights, and especially last night, he looked phenomenal. He looked comfortable beyond his years. This guy... 
this guy is a different different sort of beast. I'm I, as you said, I'm really looking forward to to probably yeah. probably not seeing him fight for his next five or six fights until he goes to the UFC. But however, yeah, uh, yeah, dude, you know when he said when he said that in a couple of years nobody in the world is going to be able to touch him in the cage, he might have been telling the truth. Yeah, he he really could have been. I'm really excited for this, and it, you know we we tend sometimes not to get excited for for these guys and you know see how they could go badly from and not get carried away. I think we need to get carried away. Fuck it, fuck it. Yeah, come dude. on. This I'm as jaded as they come. I'm mm-hmm. the j- most jaded motherfucker you know mm-hmm. in this sport. Well, one of them anyway. Luke Thomas is, is, oh, is yeah. up there, but you know I am super jaded. Aaron Pico excites me. He is he uh, he is must watch programming when he fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, a couple more here. Andy Hall and uh, this is kind of a big thing we've we've kind of glossed over as well, just because there's so much news this week. He's talking about discussions for Gustafsson versus Romero for the light heavyweight belt or interim belt at 230. He talks about John Jones coming back in as well. He talks about Jones. And uh, and Gustafson at the end of the year. Have you any? What's going on with UFC two thirty at all? Have you any idea who's going to headline it? What's Jones going to do? What's Gustafson going to do? What's Romero going to do? What's DC? It's we're in an insane position, aren't we? Well, I know one thing. I know that's not going to happen. It's not going to be Daniel Cormier. But yeah. I, dude, I had no idea. Is that Romero Gustafson thing? Like, is that a real thing? Ariel report. Ariel reported that they were looking into it, but then, like a couple of days later, it was reported that Jones and Gustafson is being looked at for UFC two three two, which would be the end of the year. So. I've no idea what's going to be on two thirty now. You know, we talk, There was no. lots of talks this week about one hundred and sixty-five pound belt as well between Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. Any chance of that? I wonder. What well, I don't know. No, that's not real. That's just mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't know why Nate and, and Poirier did that. That's not real. I mean, I think that they should start a one hundred sixty-five pound division uh, because at this point, like the you know the the problem used to be there's too many belts. Um, so let's not add more belts because it kind of devalues the belts a little bit. But at this point, there's too there's been too many belts for a long time. Nobody gives a shit about the belts uh, anymore. Uh, I think that'd be a great division. But I mean, as far as two thirty, you you would think that they have to have a main event already, and they just haven't announced it, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's got to be the thing. Like, it's got to be one of those surprise announcements, like the Brock Lesnar fight. Um, you know, and I keep thinking that perhaps that's what's happening here is that maybe somehow Brock Lesnar. But he's, um, he's has been. I think he's banned until after that, though, isn't he? Well, see, that's what that's that's what they say. But I was also told that he started the uh, back of the testing pool long before that. Uh, oh, they say right? he did. Yeah, but you know, again, who knows, man? With Usada, uh, it's it's really hard to get the truth. And so I don't know, man. I think that there's. I think the UFC has something up their sleeve. I'm just not sure what it is. Isal mm-hmm. uh, Cody asked, "Do you think Connor would be calling Jones a rat in this given definition?" He probably would be. Actually, and we can finish up on this. Um, last week, we talked about Jones and him being a rat and a snitch or whatever. And a lot of people call it. Didn't Malky Kawa went on the MMA hour and uh, it's Ariel Hawani show as well. <laughs> it's funny not saying Ariel show being the MMA hour, but however. Um, and, and he basically said that Jones didn't snitch, that he's helping them talking about himself rather than someone else's when it's if you read the definition of it it's literally the exact opposite of what he did it's substantial assistance and it has to be someone else to be given up and that's what jones did and he has to continue to do that so malky cow was just basically talking bullshit or yeah or he's talking the truth and you have then you sad are bullshit because they're letting him off without doing anything basically what do you think of this situation? It's just, like I tend to just ignore what Melky Kawa says and kind of trust you sad a bit more than him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it could be a mixture of both, man. I mean, you know, Malky. I know Malky has a reputation as just being a bullshitter, but the truth is, he tells the truth a lot more than people think he does. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think that I, I. But I think in this case, it's 
probably a mixture. I think Jones probably is turning on people, and there's no way that his manager's going to go out in public and say, yeah, my guy's a snitch. Um, because it's like you said, like, dude, like, if he were just giving USADA more information on him, like, more information on what exactly? I thought he didn't do anything. I thought it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to tell him how he actually did steroids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, so that doesn't make any sense on its on its surface. Mm-hmm. Himself and DC had a great uh, back and forth as well, kind of on, on Instagram with you know John Jones saying you'd wash my underwear if if I was in. Uh, if you were in jail with me and loads of different stuff, that fight, like that fight, has to happen. You know, we talked that about it weird. last. Week. That, that's we, weird. Yeah. That's a, that's the weirdest back and forth I've ever heard. <laughs> do you still do, do you still think that fight doesn't happen? Do you still think DC refuses to fight him, like you said last week? Uh yeah. I mean, I think that DC is going to fight Brock Lesnar and then he's out. So uh, I mean, I I just I, nothing that I've and I've talked to DC a couple of times this past week, and nothing that I have seen and talking to him personally leads me to believe that he. It, I mean, dude, he is he is ready to get out. So, I don't know. Yeah, we, I suppose we'll wait and see on that. We'll wait and see on a lot. This is obviously a huge week for, for MMA in Ireland, huge week for MMA all over the world. Uh, stay in contact with us. As I said, I gave the number out earlier. If you want to get the number action and you, you missed it earlier, go to our Twitter and it's in the header there. So, I'll always be there. I'll leave it there forever. Get us at SevereMMAPod there. Patreon.com forward slash SevereMMAPodcast. As I said, Ariel Hawani Monday, Tuesday, Patrick Wyman, an unbelievable breakdown of the fight from Patrick Wyman. You have to, to have to listen to that. Uh, Wednesday, Luke Thomas. And we're hoping to have at least another two, well, at least another one, but hopefully two and i think one of them might be a little bit special so if you're signed up for patreon now you can get all of them there thanks jeremy for joining me i really appreciate following him at jeremy Botter, even though he doesn't fucking tweet so there's no point following him on, on facebook and everything i think he'll be back next week as well because i don't think graham will be back hopefully if you have the time i haven't even asked you yet graham's never coming he's never coming <laughs> he's back he's never coming he's back never he's coming never back. coming back all right thanks everyone for listening uh, and we'll end it as we always do on the inspirational quote of the week all you need in this life is ignorance and confidence and then success is sure. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or maybe Sunday.